Okay. Well, welcome to the podcast. This is a chat with Hank, and I'm Hank Moltola. As a veteran-owned business, we'd like to reach out to other product and service groups that deliver and support uh, business solutions and, and really have a willingness to share insights to the investment community, especially when the groups provide uh, an industry-leading solution. And today, I have a chance to chat with Jason Ford. Uh, he's the CEO of Steel Patriot Partners. And Steel Patriot Partners provides um, outsourced IT, simplified uh, cybersecurity and compliance services to really remove the burden of day-to-day -day technology operations uh, with a focus on information security as businesses navigate their, their digital transformations. So Jason, thanks uh, for taking some time today to chat. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so before we get into the company, in just a moment, I always prefer to start off uh, a little bit on a personal note. Uh, like you, I began my undergraduate education in engineering. Yours, I believe, is in electrical and mine in mechanical. And at a young age, I realized engineers don't necessarily work in the engineering field, but they're often hired as, as, as problem solvers. So give us a quick roadmap of what led you from being a network engineer 20 years ago into fintech and, and the unique perspective you feel that uh, this gives you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the very nature of engineering is to solve problems and we're this driven into us at a very early time, you know, as you progress through and they are a different type of person uh, from the perspective of that we do like to solve problems. And, uh, you know, it's always about the scientific method. You know, you make some mistakes, you take some more measurements, you make more mistakes. That's always the, the, the characteristic of an engineer is you want to break right. something a little bit mm -hmm. and then you solve, you solve the issue. And, you know, I really consider myself fortunate that I was uh, able to grow up on a farm in rural Pennsylvania. You know, that was problem solving was, was put into me at a very early age from the perspective of, you know, something broke, you had to fix it. And whether that was right. mechanical or whether that was electrical or if something just needed to be put back together because it fell apart. Right, right. Yeah, you, you can't rely on others. You have to you have to do it yourself on a farm. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Just so uh, well, thanks for that. Uh, just so we can all be on the same page, uh, specifically your page, uh, provide just a brief overview of the firm and, and what the overall focus and, and objective is. Yeah, happy to. So Still Patriot Partners was created from seeing a need for financial firms as they navigated and uh, managing their IT and focusing on really security and data, data privacy. Um, normally there's some compliance concerns there as well, whether that's SEC or FINRA or even others as well, you know, and how they go through either audits or how they, they deliver their services to their clients. This, right. uh, it, it really forced many companies to kind of devote resources and time uh, to, to trying to figure out how to do that. And what we found is that, you know, a lot of people were falling short of that and they were finding there was deficiencies in their audits or anything mm -hmm. of, of the like. So um, that's kind of where we we bore you know, Steel Patriot Partners was born from that concept. Hmm. OK, so let's um, start with something that's kind of at the forefront of everybody's mind in today's environment. And, and that would be COVID. And there's been, uh, you know, with this, there's been a very swift change in in how it impacted uh, interpersonal interactions and relationships for about a year now. So where has this impact left advisor with uh, their clients and partnerships from, you know, from your perspective? And, and what do you think will be really the lasting impacts of, of these changes? 
Yeah, it was certainly an uncomfortable shift for many because uh, a lot of people in this space were used to doing things very much like they were 20 years ago. And everything was face-to-face, -face, everything was done on paper, everything was done you know, not digitally. Mm -hmm. So what really forced a lot of advisors to start to look at was how they were delivering their services, how they were finding new clients through client acquisition, how all those things were, were really leading to how they were doing their business in the first place. And I, while we won't certainly be at the level we were, you know, February of last year or January of, of 2020, mm -hmm. you know, going forward, I do think that there'll be some hybrid approach, that there'll be some home work from anywhere policy that, that will be some norm and will level back out. And it certainly won't be where it was in April and May of last year either. Right. You know, and that's this, this market really is, um, or this vertical is something that, has been resistant to change. And this really forced that change to happen. Yeah, yeah. So I know uh, one of the reasons that I really want to talk to you outside of just being in our industry is that I know, I know you work in numerous industries such as financial, but you also work in manufacturing, you work in healthcare, you work in consumer products. So how does the work in, in these other industries benefit those in the, in the financial sector? And conversely, um, how has your work within the financial uh, services industry helped other industries? And the reason I ask this is, you know, listeners uh, may be primarily in the financial sector, but their clients uh, may be in the other industries and may be facing similar concerns and, and, and how to address those issues, um, you know, issues where you bring a solution. So can you, uh, can you provide something, some detail on that? Yeah, so it, the finance sector certainly isn't the heaviest laggard when it comes to adopting technology and, and really digital transformation, but it's certainly not at the forefront either. Right. Um, you know, and there's certain pieces inside the finance sector. You know, fintech is obviously a lot more technology savvy or um, they're not as risk adverse as, as other pieces in the financial sector, such as mm -hmm. banking, as an example. Okay. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you look at what happened like digital payments, um, you know, post COVID. Now you can use touchless payments through QR codes. You can actually, you know, not have to have currency going between, you don't have to handle, handle a card anymore. All those things really shot forward and got adoption post COVID. Uh, and then, you know, but if you really converse that to like 10 years ago with conferences, everyone had a QR code on their badge. You know, there was a lot of security concerns about that and data privacy concerns because people were walking around with phones and just snapping the QR code. And now they have all your information without you even knowing that they, they had it. You know, it's no different than people walking past you with credit card skimmers or anything like that. It's it's all about how to to get those data privacy security concerns answered for your particular vertical or the customers that you're servicing in that vertical. And that's where I think you know, seeing like conferences aren't obviously in the financial sector, but mm -hmm. it is something that a piece of technology was picked up out of that from 10 years ago and put into the finance sector. And that's where I see the, the commonality between all these is that you see technology moving back and forth between them. Right, right. Well, I must be a little ignorant because I never knew that you could scan somebody's QR code just walking by and and grab their personal information. I guess it's attached to it, so they would have access to it. Exactly. Uh, grab it. Yeah. And, and yeah, no so. different. No different than you going out to a restaurant now. I mean, what do you have to do? You have to pull your phone out and you know use your camera and scan a QR code, right? And that right. brings up the menu for you. It, it's a piece of data. It's just a URL string, right? So at the end right, of the day, right. your personal data, or whether it's a menu, it's it's just a method to get to that data. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's surprising how much we just we just take all this for granted that nothing's really going to happen. So I, I, I'm sure we'll get into that in a little bit. So, so as as you work with those firms providing financial services specifically, um, what are some of the biggest issues uh, they face today, and and that you're seeing as uh, as you start to consult and work with them? Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of focus on two areas here. You know, that are, I feel they're kind of the hardest hit, and that would be banking and wealth advisors. You know, banking really due to regulations and, you know, repressing kind of innovation through regulation, if you will. You know, a lot of people talk about open banking, especially in fintech and finserve, you know, and it's hard to, you know, give those services out on an internet model just because the way the regulations are written. Um, on the wealth advisor side, you know, it's everything I was talking about before is, is that they were used to doing everything face to face. And now they've been forced to do something that they're not comfortable with, which is remote using technology. You know, whether that's you know, using Zoom calls or Teams or whatever you're using at that particular time in order to connect with your with your clients, or how do you even prospect new clients? Because you were used to going to either conferences or something else. I think we're all used to going to conferences and that all disappeared. Um, and then we all had to figure out how to, you know, do something different in order to find new clients. Right, right. Okay. So I want to focus on one specific area, and that is cybersecurity. It, it, it's a concept that financial services firms, you know, say they want. But what do you see in the advisor market uh, or practice market that is missing, or that or, or that concerns you about um, their individual practices? Yeah, the biggest concern I think is the misconception that your you know the custodial platform that you're on actually protects all of your data. Uh, really, at the end of the day, the custodial platform, whoever that is is going to be watching out for themselves, right? You're using their platform. They're, they're doing their housing, your transactions. And, and rightfully so, everything that you upload into that custodial platform is, is under their, their control and their cybersecurity terms. However, we've run into a lot of advisors that are using things like OneDrive, Google Drive, storing stuff on their phone, um, you know, client documents, because you have to upload them from somewhere, right? And those clients are sending them right. to you an email. So how are they, you know, no one's looking at their email, no one's looking at where they're storing those documents. So what's going to be the first place that someone's a bad actor is going to try to go after? It's not going to be the custodial platform, because that has a staff of cybersecurity engineers watching it. They're going to go after the weakest link. And that is, sure. you know, the advisor, because they're, you know, they're storing stuff, rightfully so, for their for their use on these different technologies, but they're not watching them and protecting those as well. Right, yeah, it's a path of least resistance. Exactly, exactly right. So along that same thought, do, do financial firms <clears throat> struggle with technology in general? And, and, and what, if anything, can, can you share with advisors as they move their business and their relationships to a, um, let's call it a digital delivery of their services? Yeah, I mean, financial firms do struggle with technology in general. Uh, and I don't know if it's the very nature of just, again, going back to used to being doing things face to face or uh, almost being, you know, 20 years behind in some cases or 10 years behind on how they deliver their services. But th the biggest piece I can kind of give, you know, piece of advice I can give is do your research, use your gut instinct when you're making some choices. Um, you know, it, it comes down to this, 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 burden for, for them to try to deliver their services digitally whenever they don't understand the concepts of technology in the first place. Mm -hmm. Right, right. Okay. 
All right. So I um, want to make a little shift here. So I'm, um, you know, being very familiar with this industry, and I know there's a dreaded word out there that most advisors <laughs> and practices are not that fond of hearing. And that's, forgive me, I'm going to use vulgarity. It's called audits. So um, how can advisors really protect themselves and, and, and remove that, the, the stigma behind the word and, and really feel comfortable and secure that audits are, are no longer, that they don't need to be feared? It, it comes down to practice and, you know, you have to practice, you have to do dry runs, uh, no differently than you practice in front of people in order to talk, you know, to potential clients or mm -hmm. give a presentation. You just don't go up and wing it and try to figure out, okay, this is going to sound great because you know, how, how well does that usually go for you? Usually not well, you know, so it's no different than that. If you go through a self audit, generate some, you know, the needed reports, evidence, that kind of thing you're not gonna have to really worry about it. And that's kind of the approach we take with our clients to remove that burden is to, you know, figure out what they need to do, how they need to do it. And, you know, if the, if the dreaded word audit does come up, um, which mm -hmm. in the case is usually about 10 to 15% of, uh, in particular RIAs are audited every year. Um, you know, it's, it, it's going to happen at some point in time, it's going to happen to you. Sure. Sure. Okay. So there's roughly um, about, you know, a little bit over 310,000 producing advisors in the U.S. And the size of the firms they, they work for ranges greatly. You have sole proprietors, multi-partner practices, then you have broker-dealers, RIAs, hybrids, and again, a multitude of uh, different business models ranging from financial planning, retail business, asset management, institutional, and, and, and a combination of about all we just mentioned. And and those are the parties that we work with also. So what advice do you have for them when it comes to building trust with their clients as it uh, relates to information security? You know, if you're doing stuff to protect your client's data, share that with them, uh, you know, talk about it and, and put it in your marketing materials, put it, put it out in front, put bells and whistles around it, whatever you need to do to draw attention to it, because you're doing something that is protecting your client at the end of the day, no different than you protect their money. You know, you're, you're protecting their assets and their, their, their retirement or whatever it is that you're helping them get to whatever goal they're, you're helping them get to. If you're protecting their personal data as well, you know, you don't have, they don't have to worry about you releasing their social security number or their personal identifiable inf information out into the world so that they don't have that retirement at the end of the day. Right. Right. So, so what's holding, what's holding it uh, back advisors and, and uh, financial service firms from moving forward with, uh, digital transformations in your opinion? Is it, is it, I don't mean to answer your question here, but is it fear? Is it, lack of knowledge is it is it implementation and if you could give us a give us an example of perhaps a worst case scenario for those who elect to stick their head in the sand because we all know that willful negligence or <laughs> procrastination doesn't doesn't make the issue go away yeah it certainly doesn't and you know in this field like i said uh, i really think it's risk aversion in some ways because you know they're this market or the advisors are trained you know, to look at risk nonstop, basically when managing people's wealth. And it, it is that, and it's also, I think, fear of the unknown. Uh, a lot of advisors really don't want to change until they're forced to do so. And I could say that across the financial sector, period, except for, for fintech. That's kind of like the special thing. But, you know, mm -hmm. fear of change is, is certainly a huge thing. And, you know, whenever we saw March of 2020 happen with COVID, you know, there was this real force, uh, forced fear upon all of all, everybody really at the end of the day, but how, how do advisors then go meet face-to-face -face? because you can't, 
you know, in that particular market? And then how do you shift that demographic? You know, how do you shift that, that thought in that demographic over to, you know, how do you protect those people? Because the people they're protecting, their wealth they're protecting is, is an older generation. So who was the most right. vulnerable was that generation. Right, right. So, but, okay. Um, so I have two questions. Is there a way a client can be confident that their advisor firm that they work with has implemented appropriate cybersecurity compliance issue uh, or compliance services? And, and if so or not, what can an advisor or practice do to educate the client base? I, th I think you, you mentioned it just a couple of minutes ago, but I wanted to you know, get more detail on it. Yeah, it sure is. Really, at the end of the day, ask questions uh, of your advisor to provide some sort of evidence that they do what they say that they're doing. You know, it's no different than you asking for referrals or references. Uh, and you're, okay. you're going to try to ask, ask certain questions. And the unfortunate part is, is that most people who are in this, they're actually clients of advisors, aren't going to be looking for that kind of stuff uh, unless they they're told to ask for it. And that's really what right. I can see as being this, this protection, you know, and the advisor should be able to say, you know, look, I have this from SEC, I have this from FINRA, you know, I, I'm implementing these cybersecurity things in order to keep your data private. You know, it's no different than, you know, you putting your, your trust in, into a bank, if you will. Right, right. So it, it's really a case of the practices should be proactive in letting their clients know versus being reactive because the last thing you want to do is end up on the defensive because it sounds like perhaps you didn't even address this or you know let us know or give us updates is that probably a simplistic way absolutely yeah because if you're if your advisor right. firms put on you know the the front page of the news because you let all your clients high net worth clients be compromised how fast do you think that right. that's going to go around their circles yeah, yeah, that's that's not a good no, day. For no, no, I think <laughs> I think you're probably going to be out of business at that day. point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I would say so. So, okay, uh, this industry seems to change overnight. Uh, you know, as it relates to compliance and fintech, as well as consolidation, and and as a firm that is at the heart of probably I don't know, I wouldn't even say probably at, in the most important aspect of a practice. What do you see happening in five years from now, and, and what could practices be doing to prepare for these changes over the next five years? You know, there's certainly a move towards giving clients more access to their data and in ways advisors didn't want your, their clients to have access to that data. And in, in the fear of that the client would just disappear, right? Because if they knew what was going on behind the scenes, you know, they become more educated and they would just, you know, leave that advisor firm. You know, I think in the next five years, there certainly will be a need for, you know, advisors to really come down on more compliance, more audits for data privacy as SEC and FINRA and other, you know, government agency bodies, you know, if the state's regulating you as an example, you know, they're going to put more of these things in place that you're going to be required to follow. And I, in the next five years, I can certainly see that happening. You know, I, I think a major force for the, a quick change would happen, you know, it's kind of like what we saw for March with, uh, with COVID happening with remote work, you know, if something like a Bernie Madoff happened, in this space, you know, that right. would obviously catapult, you know, regulation or, or compliance forward because now people are going to want to have check boxes in order to make sure that people aren't, aren't bad actors. Right. Right. Yeah. It's not, it's unfortunate. You would need an, in, an instance like that to drive, you know, this resolution a, a yeah. lot quicker. So, but, uh, well, Jason, <clears throat> I wanted to thank you again for your time today. I'm always 
very honored and appreciative of those who are willing to chat and share their insights uh, with the industry. And for those of you who are interested in learning more about how Steel Patriot partners uh, and how they can help, uh, you can visit them at steelpatriotpartners.com. You can also find uh, their link on our site on the outside resources page at advisorsfirstpartners.com. That will direct you uh, directly to Steel Patriot Partners. Their site really has some great resources, especially in, uh, in the security thoughts tab uh, to further educate everyone on the importance and the need of a uh, simplified cybersecurity operations and compliances for your practices. So um, please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast, The Chat with Hank on Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you may listen to your programs. And again, Jason, thanks once again for your time and sharing your thoughts on, on a very critical and necessary need for this industry. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, very welcome. Mm-hmm.